coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Don't on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Don't on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. All right. Hello, everybody. Jenny Hellcat. Haven't seen her in a long time. Sorry. Sidetrack. Live at the Chattanooga Market, my name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone On Air Podcast. Today, my guest is Melody Shikari, the Democratic nominee for the 3rd District here in the great state of Tennessee. Lots of things to get to today on the program. Thank you for finding the podcast, however it is you might do so. I'm not too fond of yours either. Alright, what are we doing today before we get to Melody, who will be here in just a matter of about 10-12 minutes from now. Coming up in a few minutes, I'll have the numbers, another round of numbers and what those numbers mean. The numbers are 10. 38, 15 and 23, and 100. What do those numbers mean? Patience, my friends. Patience. I'll tell you in five minutes. Pretty cool thing here. There's this local um, upstart startup week, of course, is coming up uh, the week of October 3rd, I guess, would be Monday. And one uh, startup in the last year or so is a group called NG. And uh, the guy, Justin Paul, one of the main guys who puts it together, I've gotten to know here recently. What they do is they film local music and local um, artists for the most part. And they are combined with charitable giving through performances and website, uh, web shows and things of that nature. I'm still kind of getting all completely hip to what they do. But we have decided to try to start working together a little bit and potentially um, do something. I'm not real sure what. I just kind of told Justin, man, I've got, if I've got time, I'm uh, trying to get the word out. And you're trying to do the same thing. Potentially we can work together. So I think they'll be down here with some camera crews to film what, whatever the show is next week, which I do not have booked yet, which will be October uh, 9th, next, uh, next Sunday. Of course, recording live to tape. The Chattanooga Market is the presenting sponsor of the show. And we just, I drag all this stuff down here. I bring a couple of computers and microphones and stuff. I plug it all together. And I do a podcast here in the middle of the Tennessee, uh, First Tennessee Pavilion. A little bit of a crazy idea, I know, but that's, uh, that's what I do. Coming up at the tail end of the show, I'm going to give you all the information you need to know on voting uh, registration deadlines, on um, uh, early voting dates, both in Tennessee and Georgia, and where you need to, where you can go, how you do that. I'll give you all the nuts and bolts on that at the end of the show. Um, but coming up before I get to the Stone's Throw segment and before I get to Melody, my guest for the next two segments, uh, the, the numbers. Turner Field, this is the final day in the history of Atlanta baseball being played at Turner Field just south of downtown in Atlanta, Georgia. This is also the first time in my adult life that I will not be at Turner Field 
at least one time in a baseball season, and it is actually upsetting me a little bit. It is a touch depressing. I have to say it might sound crazy. You probably think I'm nuts on a lot of reasons, and that's just another one. Uh, it is depressing. The final day today is 3 o'clock, and I had just too much going on, and I've got too much going on in my life, period. I, I couldn't go down. The team is playing incredible. But when you really look at Turner Field and you look at its history and you look at uh, the, the games that have been played and the series that have been played and the importance of the games that have been played, it is not all that impressive. Uh, the, the Turner Field Baseball Stadium, which was once originally called Olympic Stadium, built uh, for the 1996 Olympics and then retrofitted in 1997, so virtually 20 years ago, Turner Field has hosted 12 postseason series. So in the 20-year history of this building, 12 times the Atlanta Braves have played in the postseason. Here are those numbers I was mentioning to you a minute ago. 38 total playoff games played at Turner Field. 38 in 20 years. The Braves are 15-23 and 23 in those games. Overall playoff record of 15-23. and 23. Teams have clinched the postseason series played at Turner Field because the Atlanta Braves have never won a postseason series at Turner Field. I take the back. They won one. I'm sorry. They won one in 1999. They won the NL pennant that year. Then got swept by the Yankees. But of the other 11 times, teams have clinched on the field at Turner Field 10 times. 10 times. 10 times. Out of 11 postseason series, the team playing the Atlanta Braves won the series at Turner Field. That is an absolute, that's impossible. That can't be real. That can't be an actual statistic. But it is. On a day following what couldn't be real, the Vols in Georgia game yesterday, this can't be real, and it is. Ten times the Atlanta Braves have lost the series at home in 20 years. And the final number of, of the numbers today is 100. 100 days since Scumulus of Chattanooga hacked my Facebook Messenger and fired me. 100 days ago, right now. Just thought it was worth bringing up. When you're looking at integrity in your media loyalties, when you're looking in your loyalties to who you listen to and who you support, integrity should be one of those. I'm just giving you, I'm just saying Take that for what it's worth. The opening segment of the show is called Stone's Throw. Heads up. It's Stone's Throw. What? What? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. Beep, beep. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? I'm going to keep this one kind of simple here. I got a long interview with uh, Melody Shikari, the Democratic nominee for the third congressional seat here in the state of Tennessee. But I just, I just want to kind of throw out something here about social media. It is, it is sick. It is literally toxic. So social media has turned into an enormous monster of propaganda and nonsense. And the biggest problem is, and I love social media. Uh, I've said it many times. I've been on it for a long time. But what it used to be was that we had real-life people, and then you had your online world. You had, you had both. You had your online world, you had your re- and then you had your real life. 
and one could be kind of escape from the other. What the problem is, is that social media now has turned into real life for most people. And you don't need any sources or fact-checking on any of this mess that's out there. Um, you just have it right there in front of you. And the biggest problem is, is now young people, they're, first of all, young people are dumb. Young people are inexperienced. Inexperienced brings ignorance. It's just, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a slight on them. I'm not, I'm not talking junk. That's just how it is. As you get older, you get more experience, you start understanding more. But the problem is that getting older and being experienced and understanding things more is being thwarted by social media because now social media has turned into real life. It's turned into real life. And it's not clearly real life. Memes and f fake posts and these, and, these, and these links, clickbait to, oh, did you see what Donald Trump said the other day? Or did you see what Hillary Clinton said the other day? It's it's an absolute internet tire fire, and it's it's becoming reality for people. It used to be an escape. It used to be something you did to get away from real life, and now it's become real life. I've said this many times, and I and I mean it. I am in that that perfect age of I've been on social media longer than any of you listening, unless you're my age and have done my same kind of habits as I have. You're either too young or too old to have been on social media longer than me. I've been on it for 12 years. 12 years. I guarantee you nobody listening to this has been on social media for, for a dozen years. And if you have, it's just because we have similar, you know, we have similar ways of living our life. So you understand this more than anything. But it is now, it, it has become a way to hire and fire, a way to regulate, a way to, to, to uh, keep track of everybody's every move. And that's because we allow that. And some people want that. And to a certain degree, I want that. I was just Facebook and live and early when I had Melody in, who's coming up next. So, yeah, you got to be careful. And I understand where we're, you know, understand where we're at in the world of, of, of social media. Lord knows I understand. Jesus, I'm the, I'm the guy who got fired because of this mess. But it's become a place for political propaganda and people who don't know any better are getting their information from social media, whether it be not as much Twitter anymore, but it can't. It certainly can be Facebook. Definitely Snapchat. All these at Snapchat. Jeez, that's where everybody that's where all the kids are. That's where all the kids are. And they're they're learning. They're they're evolving. They're shaping their life around these social medias. It's, it's just so sad that people actually live their lives through, through their social media. And that's where we've gotten. We've got a huge election. We've got a huge bunch of problems. We've got a huge, big old fat mess we've got to deal with here in this world. And it's all being dealt with through social media. I'm sitting here at the market. I'm watching people walk around, staring at their damn phones. I do it. You do it. We all do it. It's completely taken over our lives and cyber world social media world has become real life and the problem is is it's not real and it's a damn shame my name is brian stone this is the stone on air podcast presented by the chattanooga market where i record live to tape on a gorgeous freaking gorgeous sunday here at culture fest my guest for the next two segments is melody shikari she is the Democratic nominee for the third congressional seat here in the state of Tennessee. And we'll talk to Melody next. This is Stone on Air. I'll be right back. Stone on Air 
We'll be right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com. Yeah, Alice Cooper, I want to be elected. Cruising around in a gold Rolls Royce. It's the Stone on Air podcast. Brian Stone with you again. Week three down at the Chattanooga Market. The first week was an absolute disaster, meaning uh, weather-wise, rain all over the place. I thought I was going to ruin everything I just spent all my money on. And then last week was nice and sunny, but it was the hottest day in the history of September 25th. It was 97 degrees. And where I'm sitting here, clearly you can see, well, clearly you can't see. Melody can, my guest, Melody Shikari, who we'll talk to in just a minute. The sun's shooting in here. Now, when it's 70 degrees, that's cool. When it's 97, that totally sucks. So yesterday, or last Sunday was no good. But this week has, both shows were fine. It was just everything that went together to put it together was kind of a disaster. Uh, this is the Stone on Air podcast, the third week live at the Chattanooga Market. And uh, the show is kind of, it's commentary. It's a variety show, if you will. Um, but it's, it focuses on, on, lo- on local music a lot. And, but that's not what I'm going to do at all this week. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to have any local music in today. And, and my guest, a little bit different than I'm normally done. As a matter of fact, it's the first what you would consider political interview I've ever done. Done a lot of radio for a decade and a half, but I've never actually sat down with somebody running for office, and I'm doing that today with uh, Melody Shikardi. Melody, thank you for being here. And uh, Culture Fest, what a cool day. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I apologize that my name is Melody, but I have no musical talent. So uh, well, I, I, didn't I even, tried. We got close. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Uh, very, very clever for you to put those two <laughs> together. But um, Melody is running for uh, the congressional district, uh, third congressional district here in Tennessee, and I'll, I'll, I'll outline exactly what that area is. It's Hamilton County and a whole bunch of other counties, and it's changed over the years a lot. Um, but Melody is a Chuck Fleischman is the incumbent. He's been there since 2011, right? 2012 was his 2010. first year. 2010. 2010. For some crazy reason, Congress, the House of uh, Representatives, it's, it's every two years. Yes. I've never quite understood why we have to do this. I mean, that is, it's, like, it's almost like nonstop campaigning. campaigning. It's almost yes. nonstop campaigning. You spend about, what, eight, nine months where you don't actually have to campaign, and then you have to campaign again. But that's, you know. That, that's for a conversation for another day. But uh, Melody, as I mentioned to you going into it, I kind of got the first little uh, line, where you've been, where you are, and where you're going. Uh, tell me about yourself a little bit, Melody. Well, that's an interesting story. I grew up here in Chattanooga, and I was originally born in Texas, but moved here pretty early, so did all of my schooling here. Where in Texas? Uh, Bay City, very small city south of Houston. Okay, cool. So we moved here for TVA when I was four and have been here, you know, till I was 18. I graduated from Chattanooga schools and kind of grew up in this community. And then I left to see what, what else was out there. And I got my college degree, uh, my bachelor's in Boston at a small business school there. And then I went to Seattle for my master's and uh, my law degree at USC. It was basically the schools that were taking me and that were pretty good schools. And then I, and when I ended that, I looked to coming back to Chattanooga. I knew there was a lot going on. I missed a lot of things here. Um, and so I, I managed to get my way back uh, through the mayor's office, actually. I used a fellowship 
and was working on projects in the mayor of Chattanooga's office. Under Andy Burka, yes. mayor of administration. Um, so I, I've got it right here. You earned your master's in public administration degree from University of Washington, law degree from the University of Southern California, as yes. you just mentioned, USC, and your undergraduate degree in business and economics from Bentley University. I guess that was the up uh, northeast yeah. you were talking about. I, I, you must have been tired of going to school after all that. That's a <laughs> lot of school. I love school. I did love school. Uh, I got to do a lot of really cool things while I was in school. I mean, I learned how to scuba dive. I helped run a, a campaign that was about school, like trying to keep some two schools from joining. Um, I just, I had a lot of, I got to see a lot of the country. And so if you look at a map, I kind of did a big circle. I started in Chattanooga and then I went all the way to the Northeast and then over to the West Coast and then and down then back and then down, back over. And then back over. So it yeah, is a big so square a, exactly. almost. Yeah. Uh, Mel Shikari, my guest on the Stone on Air podcast live at the Chattanooga market. Um, so your parents, uh, Farah, your mother who's here, who I talked to uh, before I talked to you, as a matter of fact. Um, are immigrants from Iran. Yes, they are. And move, they've been here. You you were born in Texas in uh, 80-ish. 88. And, um, and they came, uh, if I remember right, I think your dad came in the late 70s and your mom came in the 80s, roughly. Yes. Um, and being Culture Fest at the Chattanooga Market, I thought this was a really cool time to sit down and talk to you. What What is it like? These days, Middle Eastern conversation is different than it was Ten, even 20 years ago, maybe not that much different 10 years ago, but what was it like growing up in, in the States, in the Southeast, in, in, with, with parents from, from the Middle East? I guess it's just it's not something a lot of us are, are know much about. Yeah, it was, it was definitely different. Uh, when I was in school, a lot of my friends were also friends that had parents that were immigrants, even at GPS, which is, you know, pretty, it's, had a lot of, uh, it doesn't have a lot of diversity, I'll say that, or sure. it didn't at the time. Um, and so we, you know, we kind of stuck together. My friend who was, whose parents were from India, my friend whose parents were from Burma, my other friends whose parents were from Iran. And and that was really great because we got a little bit of diversity in our own group. But, you know, it was, it, there were some ugly moments. I mean, September 11th was not great. We I heard comments in school that weren't directed necessarily towards me, but about those people. And so our school had a whole conversation about it. And so I was actually really proud of my school for kind of tackling that head on and saying, look, we don't we don't talk about people as those people. We're going to have some understanding. We're going to and we, the rhetoric actually back in September 11th was that a lot better than it is today. I was about, right? about to say, because <laughs> even then, that was some of the most united this 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 country's ever been. Oh, yes. Didn't last a long time. It lasted a little while. I mean, maybe a, a couple of years, maybe. Uh, but so even to get a little bit of um, kind of resistance at that time. But I mean, kids are cruel. I mean, yeah. kids are mean. And I guess you know it, it doesn't matter what the political climate is. Right. Kids can be uh, can be brutal. So, uh, been around uh, the, the the states and done a lot of cool stuff. My guest is Melody Shikar. She is the Democratic nominee for the third congressional seat here in Tennessee, and we'll talk about what that district is because um, I have I've gotten a lot of of resistance from people over the years because I I haven't voted every single election cycle every time. Um, and I'm going to talk about this in the final segment of the show today uh, about making sure you know how to get registered, where, where, uh, when early voting is, all the, the, the nuts and bolts, which I don't want to waste time right now doing. I'll do that later on. You need to be registered yes. for sure. I mean, no doubt. But I haven't voted in every single, because I, every single election cycle because I really truly believe that a, uh, a vote is an endorsement. Right. And, 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 it's, and if, you're not in, if you're not in full endorsement of what you're voting for, which puts this you know, presidential campaign in so many in so many weird places, uh, then I don't think you necessarily should put your vote to it. Again, I, we don't need to go long into that. But 
I think a lot of people don't vote because they don't know what they don't know what it is, uh, especially from people from our generation, Gen X and, and the millennials. And the Tennessee congressional district here, it changes every 10 years or so yes, based on the census, which is a little difficult for me to completely understand. Um, you know, you hear the term gerrymandering and, and, and whoever's in power of the House and Senate gets more control over how you draw those lines. But we have nine districts in the state of uh, Tennessee. In 2012 is when they last redrew those districts. And so what we've got now, and I didn't even know this till I looked it up the other day, because I was thinking <laughs> it went more towards Knoxville, but it actually stops once it gets towards Knoxville. It's Hamilton County, Polk, McMinn, Monroe, and that's all the areas that most people are listening to this sh- podcast right now will be familiar with. But then it kind of comes to almost a stop and then goes north, a little eastern, but north, Roan, Morgan, Anderson, Scott, Campbell, and Union counties, which I know nothing about. And for some reason, now only half of Bradley County. Yep. So Cleveland's not included. Cle- Cleveland, Tennessee is not actually in the district. I think no. it used to be. It did. used to be. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, it's, it's just a thing. So that's, that's the district. Um, let me just get right down to the very simple question. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to get in this mess that can be uh, American politics? I think at the end of the day, I got to a point where I said I wanted to make a difference. And there's a lot of ways that you can do that. And a lot of people in our generation say, I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to go out uh, and, and be a member of my community. And I've done that. But I really wanted to get, I think we need more representation in places where it directly affects people. And you need representatives that are going to be open to the causes that you're volunteering for, for the things that you're doing. And we just don't have that. And I got to the point where I was above the constitutional age for running for the House of Representatives. And so the question is, if not you, then who? And I looked around and there was no one in the third district really willing to run a winning campaign. And that age is 26. 25. 25. 25. And that's a constitutional age. Can't be changed. U.S. Constitution. Can't be changed. Um, and what you would said about it, it's every two years because the House of Representatives was meant to be the closest to the people. It was meant to be the, the chamber that had a lot of turnover, that had a lot of fresh faces, that had new leadership and change happening. And so that's why they make you... It's basically like a term limit almost. It's more annoying than a term limit, actually, if you think about it, because you just have to rerun every two years. I think it's one of those be careful what you wish for kind of situations. Rather than put a term limit on, I think the thought was, you know, I don't, you know, who knows why anybody does anything. But the thought is if with turnover and lots of interaction and lots of campaigning and that would probably benefit the uh, the electorate more. In the end, I'm not sure that that's true. I'm not sure either. Uh, I'm not sure that's true at all because you get sometimes you get stuck in a rut like we kind of are in now in this district, which is a very interesting district because it's got a blend of Democrats and Republicans. It really does. But it's been stuck in Republicans' hands for so long because it's one of those we just kind of get used to what we're used to. Um, from 1975 to 1995, as, as, as long as I can, uh, early as I can remember hearing the name Marilyn Lloyd as a young, as a young child, just because my talk, hear my dad or people, you know, people talking, oh yeah, Marilyn Lloyd, she was the uh, congressional district uh, representative for 20 years as a Democrat. Now, the district voted presidentially Republican almost every time, only when, uh, only difference was when uh, Al Gore was the running mate with, with Bill Clinton, it, it went it went Democrat during that time frame. But during the other 15 years at Marilyn Lloyd, a Democrat was 
was the representative, it, re it voted Republican. So it really was kind of a, a very interesting district. There, there was a lot of diverse Split tickets, honestly, yeah. right? But since 1995, when Zach Womp, which I, I, I actually am, I, I, I don't know if I'd consider him a personal friend, but I've talked to him many, many, many times, and I actually like him. Uh, he had a stranglehold till 2011, and then Chuck and then Weston Womp, Zach's son, uh, were in the primary back and forth, uh, I think after his second or, or, or third, maybe his second uh, real, uh, campaign, I'm not sure. Anyway, once once Chuck won that, now it looks to seem to be he's got a stranglehold on it again, and I don't know how you change it other than you get out there and you just you, you, you just talk to people and you tell them what you're trying to do. I think you're right that the district is pretty moderate. I mean, it, it should really be is. in play uh, for for anybody that's willing to work hard for it. The problem I think we've had is that, uh, you know, because of the history of the district, there are some people that haven't felt like it's been worth running. And so we don't get great candidates every time. And we have some that are that are knowledgeable and they're educated, but that's only half of it. The other half of it is really getting to know people and letting them get to know you. And that could be hard, you know, one of our, the prior candidates was not from Chattanooga. It's really hard to get down here when you live two and a half, three hours away uh, in the in the north part of the district, which is pretty rural, pretty hilly, hard to get around. The majority of the around. of the electorate is where we're standing and within a uh, hundred miles of where we're at. Right. Most of the northern part is, is much more sparsely. Uh, low, uh, and if you uh, notice, I mean, I think all of the candidate, all of the representatives in the over the last what, over twenty years have been from Chattanooga. Yeah, that's true. So that's I think that's been a disadvantage for some of the other candidates that have run in the past. Um, I've, we got time moves very fast. I want to do uh, one more segment after this. Just a couple of things I want to touch on the, the the Chickamauga lock. As long as I can remember knowing what adult kind of things were, the Chickamauga <laughs> freaking lock has been a problem. Yes. And uh, there's been some movement recently. I mean, it was built in the 1930s for crying out loud. Um, there's been some movement this year. About 30 million dollars have gone towards uh, improvements, and but we're talking. $900 million it needs to, to, to fix this very vital waterway to get through, you know, the, the hub of the southeast. Um, it, even at looking at uh, President Obama's blueprint for 2017, which he doesn't have much more say in how that goes, depending on how uh, on uh, the next elections go. He's got a one point three seven billion reduction in Army Corps engineering civil works program already in the works for cuts. How do you, the question has been asked for 20 years, how do you secure funding to, to, to get this, this darn lock up to where it needs to be? I think you need to pass comprehens a comprehensive infrastructure bill. I think we actually need to go and put people back to work and get our roads, our bridges repaired, our locks repaired. Trying to squeeze a couple million dollars here and there is not going to fix our lock. Like you said, not only is it now a $900 million project, the cost has increased over time, right? Delaying it may, is making it much more expensive now yeah. to fix. So we need to actually pass a bill that says we're going to pay for these major projects because it's not built into the budget to overhaul and fix a lock system. It's That's one of those once in you know decades kind of expenses. And so we actually just need to, to move forward and say we, we are committed to making sure that bridges aren't falling apart, that locks are you know being fixed when they have problems, that roads aren't going to be endangering the lives of American citizens because they aren't repaired and because they aren't safe to drive on. 
and that that actually takes a bill to do that. Well, <laughs> when, when people think about you know the the quote unquote crumbling infrastru infrastructure, which there is issues, I think that that's may maybe uh, a little bit more overblown as a political uh, thing to, to scream about than it actually is. But there are there are there's lots of work that needs to be done. Tennessee, luckily, as far as our our, our it's certainly here in Chattanooga, we've had a lot of funding for our roads around here. But it's not just roads, it's not just bridges. It's also dams Water. and locks and yeah. waterways and which also cuts down on on truck traffic and and other kinds of ways of of, of moving freight around the country but um again that's since i was old enough to know what life is the chickamauga lock has been discussed and uh quick i'm going to get to a break here in a minute we'll come back i've got a radio rorschach test those of you from the uh my old radio show world know what that means i'll tell you more about that in a minute but uh last thing on this segment student loans I've done I've done financial talk radio shows in my life. I uh, I actually am a pretty uh, fiscally conservative kind of person and super uber liberal kind of social kind of guy. Um, but student loans are absolutely out of control. And uh, if you would just talk to me about your thoughts on 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 that process, how do we handle college funding going forward? Uh, 1.3 trillion dollars in in overall debt is the next potential major economic meltdown in this country yeah. nobody will admit it or talk about it out loud certainly not in the presidential race they've got time for that uh 43 million people are in this 1.3 trillion dollar bubble what in the world are we can do about that melody you're here to fix the world with me today what are yes, we gonna do about what are we gonna do about this i am very worried about student loans there is no incentive for universities to mitigate their costs to make to provide affordable uh, education options for students and you see that students are taking out these loans because the federal government will let them and the problem that I have is we're letting young people take on a massive amount of student debt and we have seen less likely to get married less likely to buy a house less likely to buy a car because they're under this crushing weight of debt and I think we really got to re-examine how we're investing in higher education, what the federal government considers as a good value on education and how much they're willing to give. Because I promise you, if the federal government puts a cap on loans, the amount that you can get, the schools are going to fall in line. They're well, going to find a way to, to get their costs down. And that is, you know, that's a problem. They're, they're, they're going to have don't. to. I mean, it's it's a nice little nice little game they've put together here. We will. Own, I mean, I, I'm blame, I, I put this on Democrats, Republicans, the president, mm -hmm. who I'm a fan of. That, you know, th th this is a nice game you guys have set up. You borrow, you let let the, a, a child with no collateral, no no financial background whatsoever, borrow as much money as they want, as much as they want, no cap on that basically, and then the third party benefits from all that the, that interest and all that money. I don't, I had the number somewhere. It is a stupid amount of billions that yeah. be, that are being made, and then the government comes back. And then tells the electorate that, oh, we've done, we've helped you go to college. And no, what you've most, done yeah. is help put me in debt for the rest of my life. And it's the most aggressive form of debt that you can have. It follows you and your family till pretty much after death. It's not bankruptable. It's no. not, you, you, you almost can't refinance. No, yeah. Sometimes you can, depending on the situation. It's a disaster. Yeah, and look at what happened to ITT Tech here in Chattanooga. I yeah. mean, they closed down basically because the federal pipeline for grants shut off. So we really need to balance the availability and the opportunity for people, especially people that come from backgrounds that might not be able to support them in college. We need to make sure those opportunities are available for people that are going to work hard and really go out and get that education, but also make sure we're not 
letting people sign up for something that they will never be able to pay back. I mean, the fact that our president just finished paying back his student loans and he had pretty good jobs and yeah. went to Harvard is a shame. It should be a shame to everybody in this country. It I mean, is, it's just And this goes far beyond uh, any kind of party lines. It is absolutely unacceptable, and it is something that I is, is I'm very passionate about. I luckily I didn't go to a lot of school. I'm the opposite of you, Melody. <laughs> I only did a little bit of community college over Chattanooga State, and got a pretty solid little uh, education out of the deal. And only and I did borrow some money, but it was only a couple thousand dollars. Luckily, paid that off a long time ago. But it's 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 something I see my my friends in their mid thirties and their late twenties, and they are so. It's such a burden on their on, on their life. So it's something that's important to me. Anyway, okay, so we'll move on for that. I'm going to go to a break here real quick. This is the Stone On Air podcast presented by the Chattanooga Market where I'm recording live to tape. My guest is Melody Shikard. She's the Democratic nominee for the 3rd Congressional District here in Tennessee. The I'll get you all the dates, early voting, um, how to get registered if you're not, how to find out if you're registered. Sometimes people, you know, you move and things change and you don't, you forget it's been 10, 20 years. Am I registered? Well, there's a website you can go to that will tell you whether you are or are not registered. I'll give you all that information in the final segment of the show. How about that game last night, Tennessee fans? Good Lord. I don't, I don't know why you guys like college football so much, but I, I guess last night was a, one of those reasons. Good gracious. Looked like Georgia shocked the world, and then it looked like Tennessee shocked the world. It's Culture Fest down here at the Chattanooga Market, and I do this show every week, at least for the next few weeks, until it gets cold down here at the Chattanooga Market. My name is Brian Stone. My guest, Melody Shikari. More coming up next. Stone on air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Brand new drive-by truckers came out on Friday. Very heavily politically charged album, as a matter of fact. But of course, most music they've ever done pretty much is. Album's called American Band. get a little irritated when I talk to people. Melody Shakar is my guest. You know, like, like when Eddie Vedder or the drive-by truckers or even maybe the Dixie Chicks a long time ago. I wish they'd leave all that political stuff out of it, man. That's what they do. That's what they do. There's certain bands and artists and performers that mix political activism into their music and then people watch it and go to it and say, what are y'all, why are y'all doing that? Why are y'all doing that? Go home, man. Just go home. Nobody wants you there anyway. Shut up, man. Just play the song. Eddie Vedder's been doing this for 25 years, guys. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone On Air podcast presented by the Chattanooga Market. Recording live to tape at Culture Fest. Uh, crowd's starting to pick up here. It's a little early in the morning. We'll get this thing Posted by mid-afternoon, as I've done the last two weeks successfully. That's the goal, is to record a podcast and then have it available for download by the time you leave the market. That's kind of the uh, the little twist on it. My guest today is the Democratic nominee for the 3rd Congressional District in Tennessee, and her name is Melody Shikari, and Melody is here with me. And uh, you were wanting to talk specifically to the uh, to the, to the community of, of, of Chattanooga and, and really the district as a whole, but... Uh, again, we mentioned earlier, Hamilton County is kind of 
it's kind of the the county that it's all where where everything happens for the most part but yeah i think uh we talked a little bit earlier about september 11th and about diversity in chattanooga looking around at and culture, culture yeah, it's yeah culture and fest. it's culture fest and what i love about chattanooga is that you know we're not perfect but i think we're willing to strive to be even better every single day and so you look at culture fest i mean i think we had burundian dancers and people from all these different countries um we might you know after seeing what happened at the shooting last year, we're willing to come together when it's really important. And I hope we continue to do that even when we have national politics that are just terrible. I mean, my parents, they got a, they had their career here and, you know, they have accents and they're, they're lovely people. And they and I'm so lucky to have them in my campaign. And but if you if you happen to check out a little earlier, we're talking there for your parents yeah, you are from see, Iran, from yes. the Middle East. And, and so I and think, these days you say that out loud. It's like, oh, no. And it, it's just, man really need to just kind of understand things before you react. I mean, before you overreact, we're an overreactionary kind of society. But But the third district has been really great about it, I think. I mean, we've been able to make a home here. I came back here. I I think between, and this district we didn't mention earlier, Oak Ridge is part of it, the National Lab, where we have a lot of people coming in from all over the world to do research here. I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity um, and that we might not be the, the most inclusive place but we're definitely working towards being more and more inclusive and so we've loved it here and i you know i definitely love chattanooga it's very close to my heart so. well i don't have all the numbers in front of me i have a lot of things in front of me but i i, I, <laughs> I don't i don't see the the numbers i have but i was looking at them the other day the district's about six hundred and thirty thousand, i believe mm-hmm. it's under seven hundred thousand, and um the but the amount of voters you're getting out of that you know three quarters of a million isn't isn't all that many nope. and so that that that's a little bit part of the problem as far as there is a lot of diversity, but there's a lot of people who, who just don't vote. And and that's young, old, smart, dumb. I mean, that that's not a cultural. Well, it is a little bit of a cultural thing, but it, it spans many cultures. It's not right. just one. Um, I have people in my family who are, you know, we talk politics. And I'm not, you know, calling about it by the name, but it, it doesn't vote because it's. I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. And I may, I've even set out, we mentioned earlier, I said that I don't vote all the time. I vote when I feel strongly about something. And um, so there, there's a little disconnect there. And maybe over time, if we can change some of the archaic ways that you have to do it, that might help as well. Uh, but more, that again, that's a whole other show for itself as well. <laughs> Uh, Melody Shikari is my guest, Democratic nominee for the 3rd Congressional District here in Tennessee, uh, November 8th, right there on the ballot. Same time you're voting for whoever else you vote for, that's going to be right there on that same ballot. Simple question, and then I'll get to a Radio Rorschach test, and I will uh, explain what the Radio Rorschach test is here in a minute. What do you tell people who say you do not have any chance to win this I tell people that anything could happen this year. You know, even in the last eight years, you look at it, when Barack Obama first said he was going to run for office, everybody said his name. No one's going to accept his name. No one's going to accept his skin color. No one's going to accept a lot of things about him. And he did it. And I think we've continued to see expectations being blown away. Um, you know, we've got the first Jewish mayor in Chattanooga. That's a big deal. We've never had that before. I mean, we have I, the, we have the first uh, 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 openly gay uh, city councilman. Yes, uh, Chris Anderson as well. So, so we continue to. But uh, this is America. We continue to just take those expectations and say we're going to do something different. I think it's people are about ready for some change. They're ready for some younger representation. I one seat out of the 535 in Congress to someone under the age of 30 would be nice. <laughs> I, I agree, and 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 that was uh, that was kind of. Weston Womp's mm-hmm. uh, battle cry uh, when he was uh, uh, in the primaries against Chuck was, we need somebody 
who actually understands what's going on with with a large demographic, a huge part of the voter base. And he was right. And yes. you were right. And and I am right when I say that there does need to be more of that. Um, the Radio Rorschach test. Uh, Jeff Styles over at Talk Radio 102.3 is my former mentor forever. I worked colleague for a long time. Uh, a lot of people from that uh, that company, I got nothing nice to say about. Um, he's not one of them. I, I have plenty of <laughs> things to say nice about Jeff. But he would always, I was his producer forever. And he'd always talk about a radio Rorschach test, which that's a little ink blob kind of thing. And you, you say what you think. It's like a psychological exam. And so the point was short questions, comments, short answers responses sentence or two not one word you know sentence or two not really a back and forth just kind of boom 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 problem was is he never actually did it he would just say he was going to do it and then he would just blah 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 and i thought it was a really cool idea would always get irritated when he did it so that's what we're going to do right now with melody shikari the third congressional district democratic nominee coming up on the ballot in right around a month just a little uh, less a little over a month i should say uh a, Back and forth, some with uh, some of Chuck Fleischman, the incumbent, his 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 voting record and his stance on things. But first, the Syrian refugee crisis is turning out to be potentially one of the biggest refugee crises in the in the history of the world. And how or should America be involved in facilitating these this relo- this relocation? I think we need to be involved. I think we're one of the countries that accepts the lowest number of refugees, and that means that a lot of other countries are shouldering that burden. And we we have accepted refugees and immigrants as a part of our history. It's part of what makes us so great. A lot of people forget that Steve Jobs' family was from Syria. There's, you know, accepting refugees in this country has been part of the reason why we have innovation. And so we're going to have to really look at... um, you know, how many we can take and, and where we might take them and what that looks like. But I don't think just closing it off completely and ignoring the world's problems is really going to be a good thing for us to do. In the same area and same kind of uh, question, comment, uh, that's leading to this refugee crisis, the war on terror, ISIS, uh, the, the war-torn areas of Aleppo and other areas of, of Syria being really the, 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 the biggest issue right now, but it's all throughout the Middle East. Uh, what approach should we be taking as a, as a country, as the United States of America, for the for the immediate future on the war on terror? I think we should be a part of helping protect global citizens. I think that we can't fix every problem in every other country. So getting, you know, if they've got civil war and things going on, being a part of that and going in on our own is much different than going in as part of a UN effort, going in along with other countries, um, being in it together with another group, because that's, you know, we aren't from Syria. We don't have, we don't know kind of what the political scene is there. Um, and, and quite frankly, it's very expensive to get involved in a war. And as we've seen in Iraq and in other places, it might not be the best place for us because if you can't get out of it and you can't fix it, what do you do? You get stuck in between a rock and a hard place. Melly Shikari, the Democratic nominee for the 3rd District here in Tennessee, is my guest on the Stone on Air podcast live at the Chattanooga Market. Uh, on abortion slash Planned Parenthood, Chuck Fleischman's, uh, this is from ontheissues.org, voted yes on banning federal health care coverage that includes abortion. He... Uh, is for the uh, prohibiting uh, federal funding for abortion and is again and has said no family planning assistance that assistance that includes abortion which would be things like planned parenthood your thoughts I don't believe we're going to govern on morality, but I do think we need to be very concerned about women's health. And if you look at the Google searches, 
since they have reduced funding, federal funding, to clinics that have done a lot of other things but have also included abortions, uh, Google searches for do-it-yourself and home remedies have gone up, and that endangers women's lives. That's not acceptable. We've got to really prioritize getting information and getting resources to women in their health care. On civil rights, Chuck Fleischman, the incumbent for the 3rd District, says marriage is between a man and a woman, uh, opposes same-sex marriage, and says, and he said this in 2014, before the Supreme Court ruling last year, that the state definition of marriage should supersede the federal defini definition of marriage in the United States of America. And the words of my esteemed law conservative law professor from USC, Scott Bice, uh, in 30 years we're going to wonder why we even debated this. It's going to be the same as gender equality and, and having women equal to men was 50 years ago, 60 years ago. So. On energy and oil, uh, Chuck Fleischman has voted yes on opening the uh, outer continental shelf to oil drilling. That was in 2011. Again, this is from uh, ontheissues.org slash house slash Chuck Fleischman. Uh, voted yes on barring the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, from recruiting, uh, or excuse me, from regulating. Voted yes on barring the EPA from regulating greenhouse gases. Your thoughts on energy, oil, uh, renewable to, energy, yeah, the, right. that thing. We need to invest in our energy future, which means looking towards that new technology instead of trying to do these short-term quick fixes that are very, very harmful to the environment and to human life that you know uses the ocean and does you know recreation. So we need to we need to be very careful about what we allow them to do and make sure that we preserve our our resources, our natural resources for the future. Melody Shikari is my guest, the Democratic nominee for the third congressional seat here in the state of Tennessee. This one might seem a little strange to some people um, that I would be uh, care about this to put this in here, but uh, animal rights slash environment. Um, Chuck Fleischman is rated 0% by the HSLF, which is the Humane Society Legislative Fund um, on uh, welfare, anti-animal welfare voting records saying that he does not f favor many legislative voting on livestock and and and, and uh, responsible uh, farming and responsible uh, slaughterhouses things like that I've been screaming for a long time that we're poisoning our entire uh, our entire population by not just the drugs from the pharmaceuticals but also food your thoughts on that Yes, I think we definitely overregulate kind of the smaller operations that are trying to do things that are uh, a little more I'll say old school right so like smaller smaller groups of livestock, pasture raised, things like that, and then under-regulating some of these areas that are the large shops that pump hormones into animals and, and have an unknown effect on us when we eat them. So, On gun control, Chuck Fleischman, the incumbent for the 3rd District, uh, says that limiting gun rights is unconstitutional in 2010. He said that this is on theissues.org and opposes restricting gun purchases and possessions and... Um, uh, that's only what I see there. My guess is it goes further from that in his voting record. Your thoughts on gun control and and the Second Amendment in general. I think voting for, for increased regulations does not mean taking away guns from people who shouldn't have them. I think it... It, it helps protect people. You know, if you have a neighbor with a mental illness, maybe they shouldn't have a gun. Someone with a history of domestic violence in their background probably shouldn't have a gun. They're more likely to shoot their significant other. And I can't open the newspaper another day and see a child in Tennessee shoot another child over something as silly as not letting them pet a dog because they had access to guns and we weren't willing to hold the adults in that situation accountable for it. And that happened. I remember the story. That was in, yep. in the district. And the final one here on the what calling the Radio Rorschach test. Uh, Chuck Fleischman on health care, 
This thing goes on for days. Bottom line is repealing federal health care takeover over and over and over and over again. Your thoughts on the Affordable Health Care Act and health care in general going forward. Well, all those votes were a terrible waste of taxpayer money and time to repeal something that has helped millions of people in this country. But it's not perfect and we need to make it better. And I'm committed to any solutions from any side on how to make it better, because that at the end of the day is what your representative is supposed to do. And and that's one of the things that I've I've been very critical of the president of. I think there was a lot of unintended consequences that have come through come from that um, that legislation. I, it sounds great at first. And in the end. Uh, and again, the Rorschach test is over. So now, now we're just back to chatting. So, and putting the wraps on it here in, in a matter of a minute or two. But the to not be able to see that the you know the greedy, supercharged capitalistic world that we live in wasn't going to take advantage right. of the loopholes that were in this healthcare. Um, I'm not. I, I. You could say, well, why didn't you? You didn't think that. I, I'm not paid to do that. Right. And 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 I and I guess maybe if I thought harder, I would have I would have realized that too. But there, there are some, there's some, certainly some issues of, of Obamacare that needs drastic attention uh, yes. sooner than later. Melody Shikari, thank you for being here. Uh, we'll thank put the wraps on me. thing. I was going to do this in the first, uh, first segment, but I, uh, I forgot. I, I have become a, a, almost turning into an activist for uh, the legalization of not necessarily recreational marijuana, but I have seen how. I've seen with my eyes and, and almost with my experiences that medicinally it's an in, it's an incredible uh, tool for ailments uh, for people who are suffering. What are your thoughts on that? If you were if you had the opportunity in this state in my lifetime, I doubt we're going to see it even in medicinal. I'm not saying you, you want to keep me from smoking it recreationally. Fine. Right. Fine. <laughs> but medicinally, I think we're really we're I think we're, we're people people who could really use this. Are, are, are suffering because of it and we're, and we're giving them narcotics and, 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 and pushing them towards things that are, are potentially very dangerous. Your thoughts just on that as we close. You know, I, I talk a lot about kind of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. If my grandmother got cancer and the only thing that made her feel better was smoking a little weed every once in a while because it wouldn't have the side effects and it was going to relieve some of her pain, I'd have a really hard time saying no, honestly. I mean, and I know it's, I think it's a state level choice. I think that the sure. federal government needs to make sure to get out of the way when it comes to banking and things like that, because we see some problems with Colorado and, and large amounts of money that they can't put in the bank because of federal, federal regulations against, you know, making money off of drugs basically. Yeah. But, um, but I think we really need to think about, you know, think about grandma. Do we really, Wait, and it's even more, I, it's even more though to, from just really serious diseases like cancer and, 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 and glaucoma or whatever else. I mean, just like in the pharmaceutical world, designer pharmaceuticals, we have ingenious, brilliant people who are, are perfecting the way that pharmaceutical drugs work and how, they're, how they, you know, they make them safer, they make them more dangerous at times. And the same things happen in the marijuana culture in Denver and, or in Colorado and in Washington State, Oregon and, and DC or wherever exactly that, that they're, they're now regulated. And they're, it's not just wanting to sit around and blaze my head. Hey, let's all get blazed, man. It's not what it's about. It's, 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 it's cannabis oil. It's the way that it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's produced in food and produced in, 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 in gums and lozenges. And 
I mean, the first step. Ah, I think just is, irritates me, I Melody. Know. Fix this for me, Melody. Fix this for me. I think we start with research dollars, honestly, right? We might not know what we don't know if we don't actually put some money into seeing what the effects are and kind of monitoring it over time. I think we, we get rid of a lot. There's a lot of things federally we don't want to find out, so we don't put any research money towards it. And I think that, we need to probably start with that. That is the most true statement I've heard all day. <laughs> we don't want to know the answers, so we're not going to ask. Melody Shikari, <laughs> the Democratic nominee for the 3rd Congressional District here in the state of Tennessee. I'll tell you, when early voting is, when uh, the deadline to get registered, all the nuts and bolts that you need to know, coming up in the final segment of the show, this is the Stone on Air podcast presented by the Chattanooga Market, live to tape each and every week for the next, I don't know, however long I feel like doing I'm lugging all this mess down here. Come down and see me. I'll have some tickets from Track 29 in the Rebel Room as well. Brand new Drive-By Truckers takes us out. Melody, thank you so much. Thank you. You call yourself a host? More of Stone On Air coming up. Stoneonair.com Well, that was fun. Something I didn't mention um, earlier is that this is the first time as long as I can remember that I've done a show sitting down. Not that that means anything. Appreciate Melody coming in, running for Congress, House of Representatives, more specifically, 3rd District here in Tennessee. This is more new Drive-By Truckers released on Friday. The album's called American Band. All right, so a couple of things here real quick as we put the wraps on the show today. Tennessee early voting, October 19th is when it begins. It ends on November 3rd. Be sure to bring one of the following when you vote early or on Election Day. A Tennessee driver's license, a U.S. passport, or a photo ID issued by the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security. One thing I've always had an issue with is when people you know, complain about, oh, you shouldn't have to have a photo ID. Get a damn ID. It ain't that damn hard. Oh, Grandma, so-and-so can't. Yes, you can. Get her an ID. Uh, Georgia early voting is October 17th, so two days earlier than Tennessee, and then it runs till November 4th. Same deal, ID requirements on early voting or on the election day. Georgia driver's license, Georgia voter ID, or other ID issued by the state of Georgia, any other state, or the U.S. government, or employee photo ID issued by the U.S. government, blah da 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 Have an ID. Go vote. Early voting, the 17th through the 4th. So right around the corner. Now, as far as getting registered, say, well, damn it, I'm not registered. Well, here's how you do that. In Tennessee, still pretty archaic. you got to send the damn thing in the mail. Um, Just Google real quick Tennessee voter registration, and you'll get it the immediate link. Print it off and mail it. As long as it's postmarked by the 11th, October 11th. So that will be next so that's a week from Tuesday, a week from this coming Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. And to be able to check to see if you're registered, it's tnmap.tn.gov. tnmap.tn.gov. Same deal in Georgia. Download it, print it, get it in the mail by October 11th. You'll have to look up the address. It didn't pull up when I did immediately. But again, the, the, ugh. This this stuff's got to change. We've got to get more with the times here. I was just telling Melody, no, not one, none people the ages of 18 to 25 are going to download a piece of paper, fill it out, and put it in the mail. It's not happening. 
unless someone like actually makes them do it. That's that's frustrating. But that's how you got to do it, and you got till October 11th. And if you want to find out if you're registered, if you're not sure if you did it right or whatever the case might be, mvp.sos.ga.gov. mvp.sos.ga.gov. That's in Georgia. Luckily, this is a podcast. You missed that. Just hit stop, rewind, and listen again, and you'll be able to do it. All right, so that's it. We'll put the wraps on today. I appreciate Melody uh, Shikari being here and uh, anybody coming by and hanging out with me on a Sunday as I do this weird thing like record a podcast live to tape while thousands of people walk around and look at me and think, what in the hell is that dude over there doing? Well, this is what I'm doing. It's a one-man band, bro. The new Drive-By Truckers album is called American Band. If you are sensitive to politically charged music, don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. And if you do listen to it, don't bitch about it being politically charged. That's what they do. Great. My name is Brian Stone. Thank you guys for hanging out with me today. And we'll do it again next week. The Daily Dose. Coming soon. That's all I got. See ya.